0: It's with great humility that we bow our heads and humble our hearts and realize uh, what the cross represents. Thank you for that shed blood. Thank you for that broken body. Thank you for your great grace on our behalf. Father, help us to never get used to these realities. Forgive us for our callousness. And now as we open our Bibles for a few minutes, please teach us and strengthen us Encourage us in our walk that we would live in victory over sin and over the flesh and over the world around us and that we would indeed reflect the grace of our Lord Jesus and be the light and the salt that this old world needs so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray, applying ourselves to your word now, asking for strength to live it out. Amen. Well, I have to tell you that... um, Last week when I was done preaching and as I reflected upon the day and the the message of the morning, I felt a little bit like the basketball coach whose team was getting whooped. I think whooped is a word, isn't it? It is when you're getting whooped, it's a word. And uh, you get to halftime and you, you come off the floor and you get to the locker room and the coach just yells at his team come on, play ball, play ball. But the team thought they were playing ball, and they're trying to play ball, and the coach doesn't tell them what to do. He doesn't change the plays. He doesn't change the defense. He doesn't alter the offense. He, he just doesn't give any pointers. He just says, play! And I felt a little bit that way. You'll remember that we were in Genesis chapter 16, and, and once again we had this, this, this incredible reality where one of the main characters of our story essentially crashed and burned by not being the spiritual leader in his home. And I got after the men last week a little bit. I got after the husbands a little bit. We've got to be the spiritual leaders of our home. And I became convicted as the day went on and into Monday and Tuesday. I thought, you know what? We need to just take some time and we need some coaching on, okay, how do I become the spiritual leader in my home? What do I do? Don't just yell at me, be the spiritual leader in your home, but give me something that I can get a handle on. And so we're going to not use Genesis as our launching point, really, in the, the next two weeks. Actually, it'll be two weeks from today. We're just going to kind of lay an introductory base right now and because our time is limited due to the events of the morning. It's been a good morning, though, to be together, isn't it? And then next week, you come and be challenged by Sam. And then two weeks from today, we will pick up part two. How do I become the spiritual leader in my home? We saw last week, didn't we, how for a second time in just 16 short chapters, in the beginning of the history of the world, we had the the wife, Sarai, much like we saw in Genesis chapter 3, the wife, Eve, taking giving to her husband, the husband quietly and submissively receiving and acting in disobedience to God's will and making choices out of the will of God with incredible consequence to the disastrous result for the rest of the world. Adam sinned and in Adam all die and Christ came as our second Adam so that in him all could live, praise God. And then Abram, this man of promise, promised a seed, promised a a nation, promised a land. He knew it was out of the will of God for him to take another wife, his wife's servant, Hagar, and to go and receive her unto himself in this manner as a second wife, out of the will of God. And then she becomes pregnant, has this son, Ishmael, who the text tells us, and we'll get back there in a few weeks, would be a wild donkey of a man. And it's wreaked destruction upon the world ever since because Abram failed in his role as spiritual leader. In a few more weeks, we will be in that fascinating passages on Lot and his family. And and it occurs to me that the same thing happens again. Lot turns his tent towards Sodom. He moves down into Sodom. He's sitting, ruling at the gates of Sodom. God says, get out of Sodom. We have a man who knows better, who's not taking the spiritual leadership of his home. I don't know how much influence his wife had on him, but we know that when God says, I'm going to destroy the place, get out of here, and fire starts falling from the sky, and they're running away as fast as they can, God says, don't even look back. His wife has to look back. I have to wonder if she, she just loved it back there. I don't know. Honey, we need to move there. I, I can't say that the text says that. But it comes together and our wives influence us, often for good, sometimes for bad. It falls upon the husband, the leader of the home, though, doesn't it? To protect the spiritual environment of his home, to point the way spiritually, to say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We don't do this stuff. And we have to do it sometimes in boldness, knowing that it's not what the rest of the family maybe wants. And we have to learn how to do that with graciousness and kindness. And we have our mandate, don't we? In Ephesians chapter 5, remember that passage? probably the most politically incorrect passage of Scripture in the world today. Ephesians chapter 5, you do not have to turn there. In fact, you can turn to 2 Peter 1 as I read this. Listen, Ephesians 5 verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything, just as husbands love love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What an incredible passage. And we know from later in this passage that the Apostle Paul got this from the teachings of our Lord, which was a direct teaching from the book of Genesis where he set the pattern in Adam and in Eve. And the husband was created first. On the husband, on the man, is the leadership of the home. It's not an easy task. And in fact, even in this doctrine of a male headship of the home, as unpopular as it is today, this is also the, the, part of the foundation of the male headship of the church. God didn't set things in order in the home and God is a God of order and God has design and plan in all that He does. It's remarkable. He didn't set the man at the head of his wife and then say, okay, and kids, you can do whatever you want. No, the father is in charge of the kids too. If the husband is the head of the wife, then the husband is the head of the children. And not only that, when we come to church then, God isn't going to put things in, in unorder and disorder and say, okay, at home you're the leader, you're the spiritual leader, you're the guardian of the home, you're the man of the family, you lead the way, and then come to church and say, okay, wife, you take over, now you lead the way. That is, that is at the essence of a male leadership in the church. You can disagree with it all you want. I didn't make it up. It's out of the book. Okay? And I have been in ministry long enough to observe that it works. But what a difficult task. Wives and women, maybe unmarried women here today, maybe you look at that passage and say, I almost rather not get married than marry a guy I have to submit to. No, you better marry a guy who loves you like Christ loved the church and then it will be your joy to come in under him. And husbands, maybe one of the reasons our wives choke on this doctrine of submission and this reality of, of following us is because we're not leading and maybe it's because we're not loving our wives with that love as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. Wow. You think women today and wives today that you've got a tough job submitting to your husband? I would suggest to you that what Paul sets up for the man in the male leadership of the home and in the church, we are called to love like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. Humanly impossible. Humanly impossible. Only by the grace of our Lord Jesus can I come to a point of surrender in my life where the fruit of the Spirit is spilling over in me and that my male pride and ego and strength is able to come in and conform to the image of Christ so that my wife has great joy in following my spiritual leadership. I want to, with encouragement and not with a club, today for a few minutes more and then two weeks from today, in a very practical way, I hope you can be here, encourage the men of our church to set their course at becoming the spiritual leader that God wants you to be. Women, you get to listen in, and it's applicable as well. There are spiritual realities and principles that apply across the board. Some of you wives might be convicted that you need to back off and let your man lead. But mostly I'm after the men who need a wake-up call, who even like myself, sometimes we just, we just forget how important our role is in the home and in the church. Maybe some of you guys will be motivated too to sign up for Wayne McKenzie's Wednesday night study on measure of a man. That's 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1. The spiritual qualities of an elder and a deacon and just go over those on a Wednesday night Bible study with men and pray together. Begin to build them into your life. What might be some of the indicators that I need this message today? What might be some of the indicators of not being the spiritual leader in my home? Let me rattle them off. First, my kids know more about the Bible than I do. Second, if I were to make a list of my top ten favorite things, Jesus and church would not even be close to my list. Third, the people closest to me at work and in my neighborhood have no idea that I love Jesus. Fourth, I have pockets in my life that I guard and I rationalize and I excuse with the practices and habits that I know are sinful and unbiblical and unchristlike. Fifth, basically, I never read my Bible. In fact, my family has maybe never seen me read my Bible. 6 i I've been saying to myself for a long, long time, Self, I need to get it together spiritually. And yet, I really never take action for change. Seven, I really don't want Jesus to return today because I'm not ready for Him to catch me. And finally... My wife has to push me to attend church, to be a part of church activities, and I really know she wants me to kick it in gear spiritually. Well, guys, I don't want to beat you up at all. And young men, I want to challenge you guys to set your heart now at age 14, 15, 16, 17 to become a spiritual leader. Be spiritual leaders in our youth group. Be spiritual leaders at school. Be a guy that brings honor and and blessing from the mouths of your father and mother. Girls, you pick this kind of guy and don't marry anybody else. Well, I want to encourage you that you can be a spiritual leader. And as I looked at my Bible this week and I said, okay, Lord, what, how do we go about you know, eating this elephant? How do we develop? And what can I say in a message or two that would bring some substance and some practical advice to us? Most of that practical advice will come two weeks from today. But in the final few minutes, will you turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1 and let's read the text that I want to use. It clicked when I read this text and I thought, here we go. If we would just implement this into our lives and we would let the Spirit of God in in a very real and practical way begin to work in me, I think that there would be changes that would take place in my life personally that my wife would love to see and that my children would benefit from and that would change our whole home and ultimately impact our church and even our community. Let me read the text. Listen to what Peter says as he challenges us in the area of our sanctification, that is, to grow in grace in the Christian life and to be separate from the world. Beginning with 2 Peter 1, verse 3. His divine power, that would be Christ. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Christ has called us, He saved us, and He's given us everything we need to live this life. Verse 4. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them, through the precious promises... "...you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires." Now, he's not saying you will become a god by participating in the divine nature. He's saying that you can enter into a spiritual level of life that reflects the divine nature of our Lord Jesus Christ in my life, as I am called to do as a believer in Christ. And escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, verse 5, make every effort, you, make every effort to add to your faith, that would be your salvation experience, knowing Christ, my faith in Christ, now add to it goodness Moral integrity is what that word means. We'll talk about it two weeks from today. And to goodness, add knowledge. And to knowledge, add self-control. And to self-control, add perseverance. And to perseverance, add godliness. And to godliness, add brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, add love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, I am supposed to be growing in these dynamics. They will keep you from being, look at this, ineffective, and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and in your home. But if anyone does... It doesn't say that in the NIV, your home, but it, that's what will happen. Verse 9. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. In other words, some of you live more like you did when you were lost than the way you're supposed to live while you're saved. You still for, you forget who you are and you live blind. And you, you really look a lot like you used to look before Christ. Verse 10, Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. In other words, as this comes out of you, it's nothing but the living evidence of Christ in you and proves your salvation is real. Make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never fall like Adam and Abram. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And don't you love that picture? All right, I die and go to heaven. And I don't know if it's like... I'm in the presence of Christ to be absent from bodies, be present with the Lord. But do I walk down an aisle and there's Jesus and He's gonna talk to me? And I get to see Him and fall at His feet. And He's saying, Come here, man. Rich, you you did great. Jimmy, come up here, man. You did great. I think that's a motivating factor, right? That we don't think about enough. That I will someday be in the presence of my Lord Jesus. He will look at me man-to-man, eye-to-eye, and he will I will receive a great welcome if I do this stuff right here. Wow. Pretty neat, isn't it? Let me rattle off the outline and, and we'll wrap up. Listen closely. It'll go quickly. Didn't you see in the text... Number one, that the power is mine. Number one, the power is mine. His divine power has given us, verse 3, everything we need for life and godliness. Listen, everything we need, it's there. His power is there. So there's not one man in this auditorium who can look at me and say, I can't be the spiritual leader in my home. I don't know nothing. Are you born again? Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? Because if you have, part of your salvation experience is that God has given you everything you need to make it. Number one, the power is yours. The power is mine. Number two, the promises are real. Look what he says. Through these, verse 4, what? These promises, these great and precious promises. Does that ring a bell with you? You remember at communion a minute ago? What was it? It was precious blood that Peter said in First Peter that saves. And in Second Peter, he's talking about the precious promises. That's good, isn't it? And the precious promises, the promises are real so that through them you can participate in the divine nature. It has to do with coming in under the authority of the word of God in a way that maybe I've never known before in my life. The power is mine. Number two, the promises are real. Number three, the potential is there that you may participate in this. You can do it. There's no exceptions here. It doesn't just like, ah, you over there, you're not, you can't do this. And you know what? This is way too hard for you, buddy. You ought to just give up and go live like a slob. No, the potential is yours. The power is yours, the promises are real, the potential is there, number three. Number four, now look at verse five. For this very reason, make every effort. Who? What's the noun? You make every effort. Uh Uh-oh. Number four is, the problem is me. Here's where I think the rub is. Here's where I think it hits. Listen. Do I wake up someday and open my Bible and say, you know... No use reading my Bible today because the promises aren't true today. No, How about this? I know Jesus Christ is our Savior and the Spirit of God lives in me. And it's like, you know, I think that the Holy Spirit messed up today and that's why I did what I did. It ain't my fault. The Holy Spirit wasn't paying attention. He didn't remind me. You know, the power of Christ was just like at... Low, would it be amperage, voltage, or wattage? The power of Christ would be at low power today. Low amps today. No, no power. No. His power is always there. It's always the same. The Spirit of God is always there. The Word of God is always true. What's the variable factor, my friend? It is me. And the weakness of my flesh... And in my orientation to the world. What? Look what it says. Make every effort. The problem is me. Make every effort, he says, to add to your faith. And you can do this because of the power is there. The power is mine. The promises are real. And the potential is there. Now get with it. And look what he says. Add these things. Now notice that it's not a point. Listen, if you're looking for like... How to lose 100 pounds in 17 minutes and change your life? This is not it. There is no such thing, is there? Those are money making deals. No, this is a process, not a point in time. This is layer upon layer upon layer. This is, okay, Lord, I'm saved. Now I need to add to my faith goodness. And to that, I add this knowledge. And to knowledge, I add self control. And these things actually build on one another in a logical format here. Husbands, look at that list right there. If your wife could draw a picture of the perfect hunk, I would say it would have a lot more to do with these kind of qualities than the size of the biceps or the belly. How she longs for a man who has added goodness to his faith. And is growing in his knowledge to his goodness. And out of that goodness and knowledge comes a self-control that is Christ-like. And now, guess what? I don't have to put a poster on the wall and announce to everybody, I am the leader in this home. I will become, through my moral authority and through my spiritual integrity, the leader of my home. The problem is me. Number five, the process is slow, layer upon layer, not a point in time, but the product is great. Number six, isn't it? You will receive this welcome. In fact, you will not fall. You won't fall. You'll be able to live out your Christianity. You know what I'm starting to realize? That if I'm going to be the man that God uses and I'm going to be a spiritual leader and I'm going to to have this spiritual integrity, it is a full-time life. It is not a Sunday morning gig. It is who I am with Christ in me. It is something that reshapes everything about me. And I will not fall and I will receive this awesome welcome into his presence. See that guy? He did it. What's all that yelling going on over there? Oh, old Bob just got here and Jesus is happy. He didn't do that when I got here. Yeah, right, because you were a jerk. (laughs) I'm saved. Yeah, you are. But you never added to your faith virtue. And you never added to your knowledge and goodness and self-control. You just motored through life like, you know, like, Football is what it really was all about. Guess what? You can be a spiritual leader in your home and you can still love football, by the way. (laughs) And so there we are. What am I going to do? I'm going to begin a process of change and transformation, of allowing, and this is the doctrine of sanctification, by the way, to use a big church word. The doctrine of sanctification. That is that he is... He has saved me already, and now He is conforming me to the image of His Son and making me into the person and the man He wants me to be. Well, we'll try to be practical and very encouraging. I'm sorry we'll have a gap, but as I said earlier, I use my vacation, and so um, I'll pray for you next Sunday morning. The Lord bless you throughout the week. If you need spiritual encouragement and help, be sure and email or call the office. There are some opportunities, as I referenced already, to sign up for that will encourage you spiritually midweek. Don't forget that as you leave. Let's close in prayer. Father, this is a very serious subject that we've touched upon. And it's not easy to be a man who leads spiritually and is growing in his integrity and godliness. And moral authority in his home. We're so busy, and we're easily distracted, and we're tired half the time, and kind of stressed out. And, and so, Lord, would you help us to know how to order our lives, and help us to know how to see your word anew and afresh. And Would you begin to speed up the process of sanctification, separating us from the old ways? and drawing us closer to Yourself. Encourage men and women here today. Lord, maybe there's some wives who just need to be quiet now and let You take over. And there's some men here who need to listen to the still, small voice of Your Spirit, saying, now is the time. And Father, thank You for grace that covers all our sin. Thank you for new beginnings. Thank you for your patience and your kindness. And help us, Lord, now by the power that has been supplied and realizing that everything we need has been given for a successful journey. May we enter in with enthusiasm and discipline. It's in Jesus' name we pray, surrendering ourselves to you. Amen.